0: Are you familiar with mince pies? Are they a thing in <laughs> Australia? Are you joking? No, mince Are pies, because they don't have them in America, and they don't have them in, I don't know, there's lots of places where they don't have them. You have mince pies, though, as a Christmas. Oh, oh you aren't
1: joking. Okay, so... But probably... you know that mince doesn't involve meat in any way. Oh, okay. Well, wait a moment. Hold on. So today is uh, we are recording this on Boxing Day, mm. and uh, I guess uh, this is the day after Christmas when we all kind of take it slow, and the kids play with their toys. And uh, this is also, I guess, a day a bit of reflection when we start doing things like uh, talking about the year and the, the year coming coming up. And uh, yep, we've got so the next big event is New Year's Day, and right, and on whatever day that is, Tuesday. So I'm um, actually going with my family to Scotland. Oh, really? Yes. For New Year. That's right. Uh, we're going to be visiting a um, good friend and colleague of mine who I work with every day. Oh. And uh, we're going to be driving south in uh, Scotland to uh, somewhere, I don't know, close to England, I guess, which is uh, quite rural. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the kind. Of, like, I think the kind of area where... Houses don't have numbers, they have names. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, from the pictures, it looks looks very, very uh, picturesque. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be my first time in Scotland. We'll be flying uh, from uh, Arlanda and Stockholm to uh, Edinburgh. Hey,
0: you've never been to Scotland before?
1: N- no, I've never.
0: Oh, I find that quite surprising.
1: Yeah, I've been to England countless times. Um, mm. The furthest north I've been would be actually not even that far north. Cambridge is not even really that far north. <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> uh, I think, let's see, what about Herefordshire? Like, Hereford is kind of, is over on the west side. Yeah, I don't but think that that's That's not even, either. not even very far north. That's basically the, mm. is that further north than Cambridge? Maybe, anyway, not north. <laughs> Haven't been <Right>. north. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to be, so my father told me that uh, for, Basically, for Scottish people, uh, the the most important uh, and the most extravagant celebration of the year is the New Year. Uh, so I'm uh, yes, I'm. I'm uh Looking forward to it. and I, I, mm. uh, Particularly gonna... in Edinburgh, actually. The New Year's celebrations in Edinburgh are quite something. Yeah, we won't actually be there. We'll be in the rural, rural location that I mentioned. Right. But, uh, right. yeah, hopefully the kids are really excited about getting on the aeroplane. Mm. So hopefully the, the rest of the trip won't disappoint them. <laughs> 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 after that bit's over so yeah we'll see anyway i don't imagine it well so do you have some time in edinburgh as well no not really i mean maybe a day or two but not not uh, really okay. that much uh and we'll have um our two children and um uh my friends uh one child as well so with three mm. three kids in tow i don't expect that we're going to be able to be that uh spontaneously mobile mm. uh, which any of the Fathers or mothers out there listening who will uh, completely understand, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, those are my uh, plans for New Year. New Year. How about yourself? That'll be nice. Yeah, uh, I don't think we're going to be doing
0: all that much. We might go to, there's a couple of New Year milongas, which is like a tango dance event. Uh, so we, we might do one of those. Mm. Other than that, I think we'll just have a quiet sort of fairly traditional Japanese New Year Of make the traditional foods and and watch tv
1: watch the watch the (laughs) kohaku i I don't know if you would have to when would you have to watch in order to watch the kohaku i guess you'd have to watch uh, that's on i
0: don't think we'll watch it live
1: yeah you have to watch (laughs) in the morning i guess wouldn't you on the on the 31st
0: yeah Uh, but i think we'll just uh, you know whenever we'll watch it whenever We, we watched the queen queen's speech yesterday oh yeah we, we still, <laughs> somehow, I never used to be all that fussed about that when I lived in England, but living abroad now, I end up
1: watching it every year.
0: Have I... Um, uh, but we would have had to, if I wanted to watch that live, I would
1: have had to have got up at like three in the morning or something, I think. <laughs> have I mentioned, I think maybe i mentioned before that I've met the Queen? Oh, really? Did I talk to no, you about I that? I don't think so, no. Really? Yeah, actually, um, I had the amazing privilege of meeting Queen Elizabeth in person, as in like mm. 1 meter away from her. Wow. Uh, and uh I bowed. I was 10. Mhm. <laughs> and um she asked me where I'd come from and I said I was from Australia and that was the end of my <laughs> that was the <laughs> the, the, com- the complete oh that's nice and then that was the complete uh, the complete experience of meeting Queen Elizabeth but no actually um when I was 10 I lived in London mm. for a little while mm. with my parents and um a pen pal that I had made mm-hmm. when I was in primary school mm. uh, in Adelaide, he actually sung in the Queen's private chapel's choir. Oh wow! So he was obviously also about ten or so, and he was um mm. in the in the boys' choir mm. in the private chapel. And Queen Elizabeth had, I guess, probably still does. She has a um a private chapel that's very small, mm-hmm. extremely beautiful. But it's it's a very small, intimate sort of uh, little church. Mm -hmm. And the only people who can go there are obviously people who are affiliated with her or on very special occasions, they'll actually allow special guests to come. Mm. Uh, And in this case, um, the boy who sung in this chapel choir, Mm -hmm. he somehow managed to negotiate for myself and my mother and my father to go to see a church service on Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah and then that's after nice. the after the service is over the uh, the queen is on the lawn and and she'll greet the people who have come to the service mm. and uh, that's that's when i met her and um as a 10 year old the uh, the height difference wasn't that great <laughs> so <laughs> so i distinctly remember like uh, cuz she was only a little bit taller than me mm-hmm. but wow what a what a magnificent woman i mean she just yeah, I mean, it's the Queen of England. It's everything that you expect. You know, right. can, such a, a real strong impression from uh, even though I was only 10, you know, obviously, some meeting yeah. somebody. I think, um, you know, in Australia, things are probably very different right now. But uh, in those days, which was, it was like the 80s, mm-hmm. the royal family and uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles and, you know, that was all kind of, um, I wouldn't say a big thing, but it, it was definitely mm-hmm. a significant part of... Uh, a child's life when i was growing up in adelaide hmm. children specifically well i don't know i can't speak for adults in those days because i wasn't one right <laughs> i suppose that makes sense but, but you know i remember I, I can remember clearly you know school events when the queen was making visits to australia and mm. you know that uh, she was going to be driving around this square at this particular time in this in this uh, mm. kind of convoy of security vehicles and uh, the whole school would go up there to be with our flags waving for the queen as she drove past. And, you know, it was quite a, oh, maybe not important, but a sort of a significant source of excitement, I think, for mm. for children in my generation.
0: I suspect it probably still is. Mm. I don't know why that would have changed specifically. I mean, it's, tr- I, th- I think that now that we're adults, we're much more exposed to the other side of the argument. And, you know, I'm sure we all have uh friends who are have a republican bent republican in in the in the sense of the word that it means everywhere outside of america mm. uh, <laughs> right it means something very strange here but <laughs> right let's not go
1: down that road <laughs> so uh,
0: i don't know like santa claus it all becomes much more of a broader question that that you don't really question so much as a child right but still i think in the Commonwealth generally and in Australia and Canada specifically, uh, it still seems to me at least that every time somebody from the Royal family goes to one of these places, that it is a very big event.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, anyway, I mean, that, that was why, uh, uh, just an amazing privilege and, and just a, a such a strong memory, even though I I don't remember much of being 10 Mm. uh, or just sort of little scenes here and there, but that was one very big, important scene, just a magnificent magnificent is really the only word you can use to describe the Queen of England I mean just sort of Mm. uh, awesome in the the proper sense of the word awesome not uh, not the the modern sense of the word so uh, although I guess she is probably pretty awesome too (laughs) I suppose (laughs) (laughs) in the modern sense anyway Mm. it's amazing when you think back to everything that's happened
0: during her reign right like the the, because it's been so long and there's so many like, when you stop and have a conversation with like your grandmother and you hear all the things that she's experienced in her life, when you actually take the time to do that, that's also amazing. Mm. Um, and the Queen being in her 90s uh, is <laughs> has a similarly long life to look back on. Plus, she's the Queen of England. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, let's um, go over a bit of a a recap of our New Year's resolutions for 2018, because I do clearly remember our episode at this time last year, when we were talking about what our resolutions were going to be for 2018. Good. I'm glad one of us does. (laughs) Actually, I don't remember. I remember the conversation, but I don't remember what your resolutions were. My my resolutions were... Wasn't it to uh, go to the gym once? Go to the gym at least
0: once, tick that <laughs> off pretty early in the year, uh, and uh, conduct a conversation in Spanish that was oh, right. not awkward right. when I was in Spain, which I did in the taxi.
1: Excellent. And, and what was yours again? Yours was musical, was it? Or yes. Was that yeah, that's right. Year? No, that's yeah. right. 2018 was a, it was a music project. Mm. And I have an update for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the just as a, a recap, the the resolution was that I wanted to start my own kind of uh, electronic music band, I guess if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. Basically, an artist moniker, and uh, mm. start uh, releasing tracks under that name. Mm. And I hatched the the amazing plan to get involved. A good friend of mine who is an uh, a hobbyist writer. Mm. He's also an excellent uh, role playing game campaign creator and game designer Mm. board game like traditional board game card game designer as well as a keen table tennis player man of many talents yes one of my uh, best friends (laughs) anyway he uh, has an incredible ability for writing so i challenged him with this project which we dubbed as a working title alien skies and bionic eyes yes and Basically, the uh, premise was that he would have to come up with a 200-character short story, mm-hmm. uh, and then I would set that to music. Mm-hmm. So, that was the premise. So, mm-hmm. it's taken one whole year. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, we have completed the first song. Ah. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's taken a year and we've completed the album. No, <laughs> no it's just like one song. Um, the reason it took so long is that the writing mm. part actually for him was over fairly quickly mm-hmm. and actually making the music for me didn't take too long. Mm. We expanded it out a little bit and we have um, involved uh, a very uh, noted voice actor who is an acquaintance of mine from some business connections Where because previously I'd contracted him for some uh, uh, game voice acting work that I did. Yeah,
0: I remember you mentioned him on a previous episode, I think.
1: Yeah, and so he's um, uh, involved in the sense that basically I contracted him to read Mm. the short story of 200 characters Mm. uh, and then I used those samples in the music. Mm. So originally it was the intention to not have the text in the music at all Mm. So basically you would read the text and you listen to the music right. and the idea was that kind of like a novel, you would want the the uh, listener to kind of conjure up that imagery that they're reading and make those connections between, oh, that is the sound of this and that is the sound of that mm. in their heads as the music goes along. Right. However, the short story was uh, that my friend wrote for this first song mm-hmm. was so good, mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. that I just kind of felt it a waste. I thought that maybe you know it would just end up people just listening to the music and not ever seeing the story right right which would be a real shame mm-hmm. so yeah and then this um that's when i had the idea that maybe involve involving the voice actor who is so good mm-hmm. at doing this kind of thing would be a great way to sort of kind of combine it all together mm-hmm. so it took so long because basically for my friend and myself this is an entirely entirely kind of uh, side project right yeah side project on the side of our other side projects right side so, side if you do that enough times does it go back to being the main <laughs> i guess it does but the, the earth is the earth is round after all, so I, I suppose you come all the way around so yeah it uh, uh it always took a lower priority to basically everything else and it's been a very very busy year for me work-wise uh and family-wise mm-hmm. uh, and also for my friend too so that's mm-hmm. why it took so long anyway we've come up come up with a name for the uh the project. Oh, a different and a new name. Yeah. So Alien Skies and Bionic Eyes was a working title mm-hmm. and the uh, official name is Remote Transmission. Oh. And okay. yes. Uh and um so I now have uh now this is the point where I'm at at the moment and it, it could potentially take another 6 months to actually release the first song. <laughs> That's that's okay, because probably by then we'll have the second song ready too, so we'll be one song ahead, right, but the situation now is that I'm at the point where okay so we've I've done the album art for mm. the first song or the, the not album art the the song art mm-hmm. for the first song, and that was really great fun. Uh, my friend is a um a very very big fan of the uh, Russian constructivist artist called L. Lissitzky. Oh, yeah. So this is kind of um, a style of art which you would call suprematism or constructivist mm-hmm. art, um, which is a very important and significant influencer of modern twenty and 21st century graphic design. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, you think, oh, yeah, okay, you know, shapes, lines, very abstract, mm-hmm. very symbolic. Uh, but this this is kind of the beginnings of all of that. So right. Right. he's a big fan of um, Lysitsky. Mm. And um, uh, so the artwork that we have prepared for the song is uh, kind of influenced by that fairly heavily. The song title is 4001. Mm. And um, all of the songs are going to name be named with these numbers that are kind of going to be chronological references. Right. So... Song number two may be 4002, doesn't necessarily mean the year 4002, mm-hmm. but uh, my friend is actually pondering at the moment whether it might be a more interesting idea to name it like 4005 Right. and then basically to, in the 200 characters, because he loves these kinds of literary challenges mm-hmm. in those 200 characters to kind of infer everything that has happened in, in between 4001 and 4005. Right. So, the point that I'm at now is that we have the artwork, we have the the song ready to go, mm. and I've uh, done a little bit of shopping, so I've got a domain. Oh, Amazingly, remotetransmission.com was actually available, which is incredible. Wow. <laughs> that, you know, that seems uh, yeah unlikely, but well done. Yeah, I think remote, remote transmissions is not available, mm-hmm. but remote transmission actually is. Wow. So we got we nabbed that, and I've got the, uh, you know, the Twitter account and the uh, the YouTube channel and all the, um, all the usual all the, suspects. Yeah, all the usual suspects. And the Reddit. The thing I have not got the Reddit, but this is the thing. Oh. It's kind of tough because I know from experience, uh, having released um, what two two independent indie games previously with a company that I was with before called mm-hmm. Winning Blimp, mm-hmm. that the natural uh, kind of knee-jerk reaction to being in, in this position, where you have something ready that you want to play to the world, mm-hmm. you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. The, the, the natural response basically is just to oh, throw it know, out. Who, as who cares? As just just yeah. just put it out there, yeah, and you yeah. know, and and it will float to the top because it's good. You no. know, <laughs> yeah, you know, quality floats to the top. Right, right, right. But that's that's like a real rookie mistake when it comes to game marketing. Mm. Because especially yeah especially in this day and age especially on on uh, the mobile platforms as well right you know there's something like three to f- three to four hundred games released every day mm. on on iOS alone right and the t- to think that anybody is going to notice your game amongst all of those other incredible games coming out mm. is is just uh, um, extremely naive mm. and. My friend and I, we're definitely not doing this for any kind of commercial objective. Uh-huh. You know, We're not, not in it to be famous and we're not in it to make money mm-hmm. because arguably, uh, and this is a topic for another discussion, but arguably these days it's extremely difficult to make any money uh, from uh, selling music online. You really, right. if you want to make it as a professional musician, you have to be uh, playing live and, you know, um, coming with a full package like that rather right. than just hoping that people are going to buy your single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work like that these days. So we don't have any commercial interests in mind with this. But that said, we don't really want to have our year's worth of work, mm. uh, although it's a year's worth of time, but actually the amount of work probably kind of sums up to maybe about, I don't know, eight hours or so. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, but still, you, you know, don't it's want it a waste to just throw it out and let it be lost in the ether, right? Exactly, exactly. So there's a number of things going through my mind. One thing is that I know from my experience also with uh, releasing games that the first your first opus that you do mm-hmm. on this kind of project is always the worst one. Mm-hmm. Like if you remember Station Thirteen Episode One, <laughs> it was you know kind of a bit bit awkward, bit, bit and rough a bit, and ready. <laughs> no that's exactly right you know it's kind of compared to you know the, the the pinnacle of extreme talkback quality that we are now um <laughs> uh episode one was kind of a bit laughable right. anyway it's the same thing with this track you know i i know that you know it's not the best piece of music i've written mm. it, it does the job in that i think that it conveys the imagery of my friend's story very mm-hmm. well mm. however i know that by the time we get to episode Forty-one, like with station forty-one. If we, by, mm-hmm. the, by the time we get to like uh, um, uh, song number five, right, it's right. we will have found a workflow and we will have found a rhythm, and there'll be a sound there right. and something that people can really latch onto. So, part of me is also thinking that, well, if this first song is n- not really that great in the bigger scheme of this remote transmission project, anyway, mm-hmm. then why should I be, you know, why why bother? kind of thinking too much about the release and just put it out there and see what happens. Mm. So yeah, it's really tough these days. You know, the this there's, there's so much complexity now towards this kind of thing. Yes, it's mostly free and the tools are available to anybody. Mm-hmm. However, it's it's vastly complicated. You know, mm. if you just if into uh DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever or Reddit or wherever and just type in tips for music release, Mm. you know, it's extremely complicated. Mm. (laughs) Not complicated technically, but just from a marketing point of view. Right. How to do this in the most effective way so that the most people will see, uh, will will, uh, uh, get, um, your your track will be exposed to the most amount of people. Mm. And kind of like Twitter in a sense that you never really know which one of your tweets is going to be popular. Mm. You know, you just kind of put stuff out there and every now and then something kind of clicks or, you know, somebody with a lot of followers on Twitter happens to retweet what you've written and then you get lots of followers or Mm. lots of likes or, you know, you never really know what's going to to hit. So on the one hand, you kind of feel that, well, I really should be thinking a lot about this strategy. Like, Mm. okay, so I have some idea of the kind of person who might like this music. So which social media channel are they mostly frequenting well it's actually probably reddit right but i don't really understand much about how reddit works and Mm -hmm. i don't frequent it that often myself so okay i better learn that Mm. but then i kind of understand twitter a bit better because i've been doing it longer so maybe that's a better place but then the potential Listeners aren't there, mm. so where up? Well, maybe Instagram might be better because a lot of Instagram seems to be increasing popularity, especially amongst younger people. And uh, this kind of quick snippet will allow me to get um, a little snippet of the song up there. Maybe like recording it with my phone to the screen, mm. so that it feels a bit more kind of exclusive. <laughs> then you've got. You've got, like, tips telling you that don't release it just straight away. You should build up to it, like doing with a game release as well. You know, you should have about a month of kind of pre-marketing to sort of, Mm. you know, here is the release date. We've got this amazing thing coming out on this date. You know, make sure that you – and there may be – Maybe YouTube is is like this vital place for music discovery these days. And then, of course, there's distribution services that will distri- distribute the track to iTunes and Spotify and all of those mm-hmm. on the release date. Mm-hmm. So I've actually got all that set up. Mm-hmm. but So that's ready to go. But then I need to set a release date. But then I need to build up the mind. Anyway, you've got all of this going through your mind, mm-hmm. thinking about all the ways that you could possibly get it wrong. mm mm-hmm but then on the other hand kind of like social media and like twitter specifically you just don't know what it is that's going to be popular right you know right. it i could i could just have be doing everything completely right and press the the go button and then on the launch date the music track comes out and i get like you know 10 listens and then maybe somebody buys buys it on bandcamp and then that's it right uh, and and it just sort of sinks to the bottom amongst all of this other electronic music that's being piled on top of it in the next hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, potentially somebody who's quite influential on social media could share it. And then all of a sudden I get lots of people listening to it. Right. Even though I didn't, didn't do everything, you know, textbook correctly from a music marketing point of view. So it's, it's very kind of frustrating and confusing. It's like, well, I don't want to do it wrong, but then I don't really, nobody really knows how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where do you find that middle ground? So yeah. anyway, that's the... I
0: mean, I think with a lot of these things, and it sounds like I'm making light of the problem. I do think it's a serious problem, that what you're talking about. But there's there's an extent to which I think it's good to read ahead of time about all these things and to be aware about all these different media and all these different things you can do. But then in the end, when the time comes, like not to sweat it too much and just mm. do the things that you're going to do and forget about the things you're not going to do. And yeah. and especially the thing that I... I mean, it, it's hard, but trying to make use of a platform you don't really understand mm. rarely goes well, right? right so, right, right. like Instagram, for example, if you if you haven't already been using Instagram for a little while and you don't really know how well it works, and you don't have many followers because you've not been active on it, mm. then, you know, you could easily just make something that just doesn't fit with the way that thing, the Instagram culture or that doesn't go anywhere anyway because you haven't got any, many followers. Similarly, Reddit, right? Reddit has a real sort of culture and personality to it, and there's a way that people do things on Reddit. Right. And people can kind of spot when you don't fit with that right like when you right. create a new account whose only post has been to promote this thing that you're making right like i think especially on reddit that rubs people up the wrong way a little bit because hmm. they you know they think of it as like a community where people with a shared interest are uh, sort of you know sharing in their hobby and sharing ideas and stuff like that and and this sort of thing feels much more like oh you're you're just you're not a real sort of member of this community you're just here to promote your thing mm. and so it can be quite hard to get into that crowd right mm. right you know and so as a, as a response to that people will say oh yeah you need to sign up to reddit like x time before and you need to try and make an effort to make so many posts and to join in the conversations and, and to me that all just feels hugely pretentious Mm. (laughs) like i feel like i'm either gonna do it and get into it and legitimately be a member of this community and sort of jump in on things or i'm not but i i don't know the whole thing does make me feel a little bit like
1: partly it's maybe that i'm just not very good at marketing for marketing's sake Mm. but that's um that's good advice though i think especially for me because you don't what nobody wants is that feeling that, you know, you released your track, mm. you put a lot of effort into it, and, you know, a certain degree of money as well, mm. and you're proud of it, and you're happy with it, and you want people to hear it, and then it it completely tanks, mm. <laughs> and then you have that feeling that, oh, I didn't do enough. Right. You know, I'd, I should have done this, and I should have done that, and right. I should have done this, and you have those, those feelings of regretting not doing enough, and so I, I think in order to will basically make yourself feel better about it completely tanking and you thinking <laughs> well well you know i did what i i did what i could mm. i you know i i had a i had a a sense that it would be popular with people who tend to frequent reddit so i mm-hmm. got an account there and i i you know uh promoted it there but it, 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 even then it didn't take off so okay mm-hmm. well it must be something that i don't understand so okay but i did my best right the, the, your advice is very true though because i think that um Things like Instagram and Reddit, you know, more Reddit than Instagram, but Mm. they do, as you say, there is a kind of a culture there. Mm. And you know, if if you ask somebody who's got like ten years of looking at Reddit, (laughs) Mm. uh, that amount of time, sort of living and breathing that culture of how you write things, how you present yourself. Mm. This is aside from sort of follower counts, because like in this specific case with remote transmission. Um, these will all be new accounts anyway because it's a new thing, right? Right. Uh, and although, like with Twitter, I have the remote transmission Twitter account, I will obviously I'll be, you know, retweeting and and stuff to from my Twitter account, mm. which is obviously probably going to do a bit more for it than it will itself because it's got zero followers. Of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, but it is a very good point that you know maybe it's uh, never going to be very useful to try and kind of squash that square peg into the round hole and say, well, I guess I need a Reddit account. I better make one and better, you know, <laughs> say something from it so people don't think that it's just new. But if you don't really understand the culture of what you're doing, mm. then um, it, it's not going to be useful and yeah. potentially could also be negative too because, as you say, if people kind of don't like that idea that somebody's just come here to create a Reddit account. Right. Right. And just talking about their new track and then they're out of here and they're not contributing at all to the, right, the right, greater, exactly. you know, Reddit culture, then then they're kind of fake. Yeah. Um, and so. one of the
0: things I quite like about Reddit is that follow account is not really a thing like mm. uh, accounts that are super active and that are well known don't inherently necessarily have more value in the same sort of numerical sense that they do on Twitter, right? Because people are following them, they're going to Mm. see everything they post on Twitter. Uh, On Reddit, there's a sense that within a community, you may be better or lesser known, right? Like there are some people on the Latin Reddit, for example, that if they post something, I know it's going to be interesting. And if they comment on something I post, then... I really pay attention to what they have to say because I sort of'm interested and I trust them, I trust their judgment, and also i'm a little bit honored that you know that they are taking the time to sort of look at what i've posted so there there does mm. exist that thing of like users that that have something associated with them that this person is like popular or well known or, or whatever mm. but it works much more in the way that it works like in real life in real cultures where you just you know them almost personally mm. And you recognise their name when you see it. And the other thing is that you don't usually. Another difference with Twitter, where when you start a new project, you'll usually create a new Twitter account with zero followers, and then you'll start retweeting it from your own account or whatever. Right. Uh, which we have with Station Thirteen, of course, and which you now have with um, with Remote Transmission. On Reddit, you'll you'll create a new subreddit to be the new place where discussion of your project goes, but you'll continue to use the same account, and you may you know, make references to your thing or link to things that are on your subreddit on other subreddits. Mm. But you're using your same account. And so you don't suffer from that zero followers on day one problem. Like if you've been active in other ways, like I'm obviously very active on the Station 13 subreddit. I'm also pretty active. In fact, I think I'm probably even more active on the Latin subreddit at the moment. Mm. And I'm, you know, I post to a few other subreddits. So if I start a new project tomorrow and i create a new subreddit for it and i start posting to that and maybe i want to post to some other related subreddit to promote my thing i don't look like a new account that's just been started up to promote this project because i do have this history of of posting other random things to a variety of different
1: topics right right yeah the only place i have that is twitter Mm -hmm. Uh, so i guess it makes most sense that i should be focusing my efforts there Mm -hmm. at least you do have i mean you know
0: you you have an account on reddit already and you have posted mostly to the station 13 subreddit
1: uh, right. but you do uh, you you have non-zero history there right right you the advice that you're giving is very good i think that um it's probably better not to um focus on areas where i don't have that much experience or history mm. just simply because uh, it, it doesn't look too good in in those kinds of places so yeah. Anyway, that's the point I'm at with remote transmission. Mm, uh, okay. So is your
0: 2019 resolution going to be a sort of continuation of that, or have you got anything new you're considering?
1: No. Basically, I think it's going to be uh, a continuation of this because uh, it is an exciting project, and I'm mm. I'm most excited to to get to that you know fifth song point when we can say right, finally we've found our rhythm and we have found our. Uh, style and um mm. i think that's obviously we're not going to get there if, we, if we're not pushing ahead with it mm. other than that no i think that's that's uh do you have any anything
0: concrete like you're going to get one song out or two songs out or something like that like actually publish something or or something like that do you want to commit to or do you want to hold off on that
1: uh oh you mean next year yeah for yeah. for a uh, a resolution For the sake of <laughs> Having a resolution <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, Yes Probably I think it'll be I think it'll be good to be At this point Next year At this time On mm-hmm. the 26th of December Of 2019 mm-hmm. Uh Having maybe two songs released Two songs are in the wild Um Yeah So 4001 is the first one Yeah mm-hmm. uh, So basically We'll two of And then another one released Throughout the year At some mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. I think that would be Uh That would be Nice mm but what about you? So I'm actually thinking,
0: uh, obviously I want to continue with some of the things I've been doing this year. In particular, it wasn't a resolution of last year, but Latin has since September has been sort of a a big focus as I've, you know, I I did my trip to Spain. So I've eased off the Spanish a little bit and and concentrated on Latin. And uh, actually, I don't think I've told you this, but did you know I actually have a second podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No, I had no idea. (laughs) It's very different from this one. Okay. How long has that been going on? Uh, two or three months. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just
0: <laughs> moonlighting on the side. <laughs> <with> the... <laughs> it's, uh, so what happened was I wanted to get some feedback on my pronunciation of Latin. Right. This is actually quite interesting. We have, from a variety of different sources, both actual real life sources like people like cicero who at the time wrote quite a lot about language and they made little jokes about how people were mispronouncing things and stuff between that and then the study of linguistic history and how the various languages that have derived off latin have changed in certain ways and we can sort of reverse engineer those changes and so we have a reasonably good idea of the way that latin was pronounced mm. and i think that with any language it is worth improving your accent uh, because i think having having you know a, a good approximation of the native accent helps actually helps you to remember the words because the whole language just clicks together and flows and makes more sense uh, when it is you know pronounced reasonably well mm. uh, so i wanted to get some feedback on my pronunciation and uh, there is a, there's a set of stories that are written as like an auxiliary text to the textbook that I've been following mm. called Fabella Latinae, uh, which are just very small little stories matched per chapter. So the language gets more complicated as you go through. Mm. And I started reading some of these and recording it and putting it up on the Latin Reddit to get feedback from people about, you know, how my accent was and where I could improve and so forth. Hmm. And after doing this a couple of times, I thought, well, I'm already recording these things and converting to them to MP3 and uploading them so that people on the internet can give me feedback on them. So I might as well just make an RSS feed for it and submit it to Apple Podcasts while I'm at it. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, so <laughs> that's what I did. So I actually, wow. you can plug into your podcast player of choice. I'll put a link in the show notes, but Fabella Latinae. Is what it's called. Um, And every week, usually on Saturday, sometimes on Sunday, I upload a recording. Each one is about three to four minutes. Okay. And it's just me reading one chapter of this book. Hmm. So it's not, it's totally different from this. It's not live discussion and it's not really chatting. It's like, it's just me reading. Right. And because it's really an exercise to try and get feedback and then improve the next week, you can hear as I'm going on, my accent changes a little bit every recording because I, every time I'm trying to incorporate the feedback I got ah. from the previous week's recording. So right. it's a kind of random little thing. If you want to hear me speak Latin, uh, feel free to subscribe to that if you want to see all the feedback. I, I've been getting great feedback every week. And there's some real... You know, there's people who are doing their PhDs and stuff on right. on like Latin pronunciation on the, the Latin Reddit. So there's some really sort of... People who know what they're talking about on there, and uh, and I found it to be invaluable the feedback. So that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. That I've been doing that, trying to commit to do one chapter every Saturday. Right. And I'm about I don't know I I think thirteen chapters in or something. There are thirty five chapters in
1: total. Well, that's fantastic. I think. Um. Do you have a, your own subreddit and a Instagram account? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I have. I, I post. I do post
0: it to the Latin subreddit every week. Right. So you can see where I'm posting, you can see all the feedback, and you can see the conversation. Sometimes it's funny because you get two experts on pronunciation arguing with each other about how they actually pronounced like the letter L in this particular case or whatever. Uh. (laughs) Um, I have. And then rather than make a proper website for it or anything, I just post each one as a blog post on my own website. I see. And so the, the website for the podcast, as it were, is just the... I've got a tag on my website, and you can filter all my posts by that tag, and that's the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's it's just a, a fun little thing. Fantastic. Anyway. Well, that's great. That's not my New Year's resolution for 2019. That's what I've been doing for the last, oh. for the last couple of months. And as I've been doing it, I've, I've kind of thought a little bit, and I, this is also a conversation I was having uh, with my wife uh, just the other day, but I'm going to all this effort to improve my pronunciation, with in latin which i do think is a worthwhile endeavor for anybody learning latin and i do think it's very interesting mm. but i still don't speak with perfect pronunciation in japanese which is a living language
1: <laughs> 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 which i'm i'm much better at uh, than latin i've heard your japanese and i, I think your japanese pronunci- pronunciation is excellent
0: oh, well thank you very much But it's still, you know, it's something I could improve. And it's something that I think if I went to the same effort that I'm going to with my Latin, Hmm. then I think I would improve quite quickly. And the difference difference between somebody who speaks, like, with a close-to-native accent and somebody who speaks with a very good but foreign accent Hmm. is very large. Like, you can hear it in English. If you speak to someone who speaks with, like, you don't really notice and you know you you find out they're foreign because you hear it in conversation one day not because it was obvious from the accent right Mm. and the difference that you know you can just make a few little mistakes and and it it just i think subconsciously it feels like that person is better
1: Mm.
0: even than they actually might be right it can give the the amount of weight that we give to accent right uh, it's far greater than its actual worth. if You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, as humans, just as people um, in any language, mm. and so uh, accent is one of the things that I would quite like to improve. But the other thing is that I'm thinking of as a general theme for 2019 is actually to go back to Japanese and and try and take my time to To work on my Japanese for a little while, mm. because you know, I, I've and I still plan on continuing with with Latin and with Spanish, and I don't know if I'll get around to picking Greek back up, but but to focus a little bit on Japanese again, because I think what what I did when I was studying Japanese, which I totally think was the right choice at the time, was to focus on what I wanted to do and what I was interested in and very quickly discard things that I found boring or frustrating or mm. uninteresting, right. which I think is is totally the right approach if you want to learn a language, especially if you want to learn it quickly. Because I think the most important thing is that momentum and that ability to keep going, because it's so easy to, to give up, right? Because it's right. hard. Um, right. But what's ended up happening now is I've got to sort of the point where I am now, where I can fairly comfortably hold a conversation and I can, you know, read and write reasonably well, kind of out of practice with handwriting. But, you know, I, I'm comfortable in all these different things. But I have all these little gaps in my knowledge from things I just skipped over because I didn't want to do them. <laughs> hmm. And I think I've got to the stage now where if I really want to sort of get to the next level with my Japanese, right, uh, uh, I need to go back and fill in some of those gaps and do some... Even some of the boring stuff, mm. just to try and round it out and and you know, just get the get the whole picture in, in place. If you know what I
1: mean. Mm. Well, I think that's an excellent resolution. And Of course, you are. I mean, being married to a Japanese woman you know, helps, <laughs> and, and you're. <laughs> yeah, you're. Um, I, I assume that you're. Uh, well, I know that your your lingua franco in your household is Japanese, correct? Right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that automatically gives you uh, not only, you know, a great uh, incentive mm-hmm. to, um, to, to brush up your already excellent Japanese, but I guess it's already, um, it's also, uh, you know, very, very useful as well for your everyday. <laughs> I would definitely win a lot more arguments, I think, if I spoke better Japanese. Well, I, I mean... <laughs> I I know your wife, and I don't know about that. (laughs) But anyway, um, I think that's excellent. That's a great resolution. And uh, it's definitely, um, yeah, regardless of whether or not you end up moving back to Japan, Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, by the fact of being married to a Japanese woman, understanding, you know, and learning and understanding a language really is understanding its people as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's a wonderful thing too. So. Mm -hmm. So, Fantastic. so that's the general theme, and I have two
0: concrete because you know we spoke last year about having concrete, measurable things, right? Uh, which I then failed to do with my Spanish goal of talking to someone in Spain. <laughs>
1: we well, did in the taxi, right? Well, I did.
0: No, I did do it, but I mean, I, 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 the goal that I set for myself, which is to have a conversation that quote isn't awkward, okay, is not. That measurable. Oh, I see. 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 So I have two things which I am thinking of doing. I'm not 100% committed to both of them yet, but they're both very concrete and Mm. and in a way three things, I suppose. So number one is to, to work on the accent specifically. The last few days, my wife and I have for half an hour every day just taken a sentence or two out of a book or out of the news or something like that. And I've read it to her and she's just been very detailed in like picking out things. Oh, that sounded wrong. Or, you know, that wasn't quite right say it this way. And we've gone through the same sentence and just, you know, practice saying it uh, over and over again. And I think that, that, I think my biggest problem with Japanese pronunciation is the pitch accent and the intonation. Mm. That's the biggest thing that marks me out as noticeably foreign. Mm. And I'm, I, I don't think I'm as bad as, as some people in terms of overstressing things. Mm. But I definitely speak with a different sort of melody and a different rhythm to most Japanese people, I think. so. So just mm. going over just a single sort of well-defined thing and so far it's been text out of books and news reports but in the future we might just take normal things that one of us has said in everyday conversation and work on that that's hard Uh, and just saying it lots of times and
1: yeah that that is hard because it it is dynamic you're you're Mm. chasing a moving target there too because it changes
0: absolutely yeah Mm. definitely and it is very hard and i think you need to listen a lot to sort of get a feel for that yeah but I have listened to a lot of Japanese over the last 10 years, from living there for seven years and watching TV right. and, and this and that. And my own pronunciation hasn't automatically fallen in line with the stuff that I've listened to. Right. There are things which it has, right? They're very sort of well-known set phrases, which you can't help but copy the intonation, mm. uh, at, you know, the way that you heard it. But... For a lot of stuff, I haven't just absorbed it, so I think I need to try and just take a few of these isolated examples, work on them, and try and get them. You know, see what that go through that process of of getting that right in that particular context that they're in. Mm. And if I do that a lot of times with a lot of things, hopefully, as I'm listening to other stuff, somehow the natural way that i tend to jump to pronounce things will start to align closer with what is natural for native japanese speakers as well that's mm. that's my hope right right so that's so so one of the th- the measurable sort of concrete things i could do is say we're going to do this for like half an hour every day or half an hour twice a week or some set number of times right right half an hour every day part of the problem is that i'm also taking Some of my wife's time in order to do this, and she may not be available for half an hour every day. So, you know, I can't just—it's not something I can personally commit to and then force her to do every day. So, we'll have to find a balance and see what we can fit in. But so far, we have Mm. been doing it for half an hour every day. It's been good. That's great. The other thing is to try and improve my vocabulary. Uh, In general, I want to read more. So, whether it's books or news reports or whatever, just try and make more of an effort to read. You know, if I'm going to read some random article about what's been going on in the news, often. I've got the choice of reading it in a variety of newspapers and I could include some Japanese newspapers in that choice, right? Hmm. But as a, to try and be conscious of what I'm reading and to avoid just getting the gist and skimming over it and not really improving to actually make an active effort to find say five new vocabulary words each day, just not not go out just searching for them like looking through a dictionary, but in the, over the course of my reading, make a point to spot words that I haven't seen before and either underline them or note them down or something like that. Hmm. And and to try and read enough that I get to some number, say five, each day. Right. You know, I, th- I think as a as a conscious way to try and Im- improve vocabulary, right? Hmm. And then the third and final thing, which is a goal, and I'm still deciding if I really want to do it, but this is less of a, an everyday I'm going to perform these steps thing and more of a by the end of the year I will achieve this goal thing, hmm. which is to take the JLPT, you know, the JLPT, the Japanese Language Proficiency Test.
1: Yeah. Which level?
0: Uh, pff, N1 or Bust, I think. I think you already, I thought you already had that. I don't know. I've, I've never taken it in any at any oh, really? level.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's I thought I thought that you'd already taken level one. No.
0: Uh, level one being the highest level, right? Right, that's correct, yeah. Okay. The lowest level is five, and then four, three, two, one. Right. And the general consensus is that only two and one are actually really worth anything. Yeah. The others give you a sense of improvement if that's what you want. But, you know, you need level two to get into a number of jobs, and you need level one to get into a number of universities <laughs> yeah yeah and right. so you know th- those are the ones that are considered valuable and i could take mm. either i think i could probably i mean i don't really know and it's a, it's very formulaic and it's very different to the style of study i've done up to now mm. i think i could probably take to take level two without like too much effort mm. and i think level one would would involve quite a significant amount of, of work. I've I've heard that it's very difficult and right. it ticks off all the things that I'm not very good at, right? Like mm. having a very wide vocabulary. And I think one of the things I got very good at over the seven years that I was there is being able to say a lot with limited means. Right. Uh, which is an important skill in life, but not one that they test you on the JLPT. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> right. Um, so that is a that is thing I'm thinking of doing and the reason I haven't committed to it yet is just because uh, part of me hates the idea. <laughs> like, I've always, right. I, I hate standardized testing. And every time I, I do have a textbook to, related to the JLPT that's like, you know, specifically, these are the things you should study to. Um, to take it mm. and every time I open it, it's like oh this is so boring <laughs> um but as I was saying earlier I think I might need to push myself to do some of these boring things in order to fill in these gaps that I've managed to get by without until now
1: right. yeah no you you should absolutely do level one level two would just be too easy for you mm. absolutely yeah definitely level one yeah, okay you know. I'll try have you done it yeah I have uh I passed level one. Oh, really okay. that was like uh Oh, ten 10 years ago right. or so yeah yeah my my approach to chinese and japanese which are the two other languages that i speak mm. has always been very pragmatic mm-hmm. in that um i've always been a bit of a what what's the right way to put it um adverse to study right, <laughs> like, <laughs> right is right. the best way to put it and i've never really bothered right you know i, I have a My university qualification was in Chinese and Japanese, Mm -hmm. but basically, you know, um, really purely doing it just because I enjoy it, but not so much because I, uh, you know, specifically had goals or objectives or wanted any kind of sort of, you know, native sounding pronunciation or any kind of perfection of any sort. Right. But I I just sort of did it because I I liked it and obviously because my my mother is Chinese. Right. Uh, So there was some sort of heritage reasons there too. Right. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, with with Japanese as well, when I was in Japan, Japanese was purely, like the language was purely a means to an end, which was just talking with people in the band that I was in. Right, right. And, you know, that was basically it. And so, yeah, basically I never really studied, but just sort of talking a lot. And just Mm -hmm. because I liked talking languages and I liked Japan and Japanese people, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just doing a whole lot of talking and sort of learning gradually and organically that way. And then there came a point when a colleague of mine at the company I was working at got really angry that I could speak Japanese so well and I didn't have any qualification to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was kind of like, well, you know, I don't care about qualifications. I mean, I'm right. not speaking, right. I'm not doing this to perfect it in any way or to be sort of have this acknowledged in any way. My, right. Right. my qualification and my own personal form of acknowledgement is... You know, can I talk to the people in my right. band who don't speak any English?
0: Right. Yeah, that's how I've always
1: felt as well. Right. And if I can do that, then I've passed. So like, yeah. yeah. what's this for? Right, right. But he, he said that it was a complete waste being in that country mm-hmm. and not having a qualification to show, uh, which would obviously open up other and, you know, more interesting opportunities for me. Right. So for my birthday… He bought me the JLPT <laughs> Level 1 study book. Classic present. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought you were um, going to say he signed you up for the JLPT test. <laughs> no. So, yeah, he, he he bought me the textbook and, uh, you know, he kind of forced me to, to look at it. And I was like, oh, right, right, right well, you know, whatever. Okay. Right, right. And I looked at it. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's pretty... None of it is useful. Right. Like, none of it is actually practically useful. Right. Um, no, no, not none of it. I mean, very little of it is actually is, – Is a lot of it is kind of archaic forms and more formal things that you'd rarely ever right. uh, say but sometimes read. And also, I mean, I think the, the wide
0: vocabulary that it asks of you is useful if you want to be able to read a, a wide variety of stuff. You know, if you want right. to just be able to pick up a newspaper and just read it as a newspaper – being able to read any of the articles, which might cover a number of different topics, each one of which has specialist vocabulary associated with it. Right. that That is where that comes in handy.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, basically, uh, I've never, as you know, all too well, and as listeners of Session 13 know all too well, I, mm. I don't really have the, the world's greatest appetite for literature. <laughs> <laughs> putting it mildly, so the you know reading in Japanese beyond mm-hmm. reading manga mm-hmm. um, uh, was never really sort of a big um, source of interest, or uh, I'd never really felt right. that enthusiastic about right. it. So in all in all regards, I just never really sort of thought that I any of the JLPT level one would be that useful. But I thought, mm-hmm. well, wow, you know, I'm got the book, and may as well try and learn it. So mm-hmm. I did the test, um, and it was very very difficult because. Mm-hmm during the breaks in the test, there's some break periods. Mm-hmm. I think there's was like one or two break periods in the test. Cause mm. the test takes several hours. I was surrounded by Chinese students ah. and they started to talk in Chinese in between the, <laughs> in in the breaks. <laughs> right. And the, the thing about language of course, is that if you understand it, you, you can't not, you can't listen not listen it. in. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> switching no. to that like, completely other mode. Right? Exactly. And that yeah. was like, really is really kind of off putting. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Managed to get through and, uh, and pass the test and that thankfully, you know, with with a great deal of gratitude to that spec- that colleague who bought me that book, mm. uh, that was what kind of opened up opportunities for me at working at uh, um, the industrial design company and various other Japanese graphic design companies. Mm. Basically having that qualification then put me in a good position to be, you know, have more of a broader Scope of jobs available to me, right. and at the time I was not dissatisfied with the job that I had because that was in human resources, and I was working with great people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I thought, yeah, this is fine, this is great. Mm-hmm. But um, it also, uh, you know, arguably, there I was in Japan. And there's a whole breadth of sort of uh, you know great experiences to be had in corporate mm-hmm. Japan as well. Great experiences, not enjoyable experiences, but <laughs> great experiences. <laughs> in corporate Japan that it ought to be had. And, um, you know, that qualification was what, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to explore right. some of those. So, right. I, and, but I mean, definitely... you know
0: I like the idea that that even if you don't have the qualification, you know, in the interview, you can talk to people and they will be able to tell straight away that your Japanese is perfectly good enough to work at their company and then they'll hire you. But sometimes the problem is getting to the interview because sometimes some places... The recruiter will look at your CV and it doesn't have JLPT written on it, and they're like, "All oh, right, in the bin."
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so that that's where it was um, useful, but definitely uh, for your level, absolutely level one. Don't even bother with level two. Oh well, okay. That's that's good to know. I still don't have a very because I've never
0: pursued this before, really. I don't have much of an idea of what it's actually like. I know most of the questions are multiple choice and I'm kind of aware that there are these different sections. Mm. Uh, But I think a big part of it will be, part of it will just be studying and trying to improve, particularly my vocabulary, which I think is probably my weakest point. I think, you know, because I I speak so often, I'm I'm pretty good with listening and I have a good sense of idiom. Right. But I I have large gaps in my vocabulary. Um, And so I think improving that will be one thing. But another thing we'll just be learning the way the test works. And this is the way questions are structured. And so if you can quickly look at that question, identify what kind of question it is, and sort of decode it and find the answer quickly, uh, then that, you know, that, I mean, that's a totally useless skill outside of taking the JLPT.
1: But but that is an easy way to pass. Yeah, and (laughs) absolutely essential. You know, with these kinds of standardized tests, that's... uh, um, back when I was an English teacher, I was the resident expert in teaching the TOEIC test. Mm. And half of what I would be teaching students for the TOEIC test was the TOEIC test. Right, <laughs> not, right. exactly. Not English. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's exactly the same with we, we have a test called the 11 plus. Right. They might not do this anymore in England. But it used to be that when when you were 10 or 11, you would take this test and then Certain schools, uh, they're state schools, so you didn't have to pay to go to them, but they were selective. So, you know, they could look at all the applicants and choose which ones to take in based on the scores they got in this test. Mm. And again, that test was, I think, the majority of the difference of whether you passed or failed that test was whether you'd been able to get the extra training, which we were lucky that, you know, our parents sent us to a teacher one night a week who taught us specifically how this test works and right if you get this sort of question this is the way that you answer it right and as a result of that like i passed it easily and went to a good school but mm. uh, you know in yeah. a sense that that's one of the big arguments against that system because obviously only you know not everyone has the means to send their children to extra tuition every week to to, to learn how the test works but
1: yeah i think with with the JLPT test, if I recall correctly, as far as those kinds of standardized tests go, uh, mm-hmm. and my experience mainly is with the the English tests like TOEFL, TOEIC and IELTS that they use in Japan mm-hmm. when I was a teacher of those, the JLPT test is relatively light on the side of sort of test mechanics that you need to be aware of to get a good score. Mm-hmm. But for sure, I mean, beyond the sort of basics, which is, you know, in the listening, try to read the question first before you hear it because it 's right. hard to read and listen at the same time right. um, you know work as fast as you can, uh, try to answer questions in between time, mm-hmm. uh, all those kinds of basics beyond those. but I would say that um, for you it would be very very not very difficult because I think the vocabulary and grammar mm-hmm. are the two areas where. Somebody such as yourself, similar to my situation, in that mm-hmm. you use Japanese every day to speak and to listen to, mm. definitely the uh, uh, the grammar is basically kind of very strange, often archaic, formal structures that you just have to learn. Right. You know, things like uh, naradewa. Do you know that one? Naradewa. Naradewa. Uh, uh, i'm not sure i think that came up in a list that i was
0: it sounds familiar because i think i was looking at a jlpt1 list of grammar things and it was there and i can't remember
1: what yeah it was. so that that kind of thing anyway so right. like single single chunk you just remember this is what it means this is how to use it
0: what does that one mean don't leave everyone hanging <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, do- naradewa means um that is something fitting of this person
0: oh uh, right okay
1: so um, I mean
0: that that kind of makes sense. If you heard that in context, I think you'd be able to figure that out,
1: right? If I said like Kare nara no shitsu, right? Nara no deki. So that's that is a result that is fitting of somebody of his caliber or her right, caliber. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that kind of thing. You know, you learn right. here it is, and you learn what it is, and you and you. Rem- it's kind of like it's all basically sort of kind of like vocabulary because those grammar points are sort of chunks that you just remember and. Right. You know, it all just sort of slots in together. So, right. yeah, the listening I think you'd find pretty easy. The listening is it's, it's quite comical because they it's so unnatural, mm. but it has to be in order to make it that difficult. Right. <laughs> so, if you translate it into English, it would be. Um, Excuse me, Mr. Kachor, but what time is our meeting tomorrow? Oh, the meeting is at 8, but actually it's going to be two hours after that because uh, Mr. Tanaka is in a meeting until four hours after that. So we're going to be uh, having a meeting two hours before that, but then concluding three hours. Uh, so please come one hour early uh, so that we can prepare. <laughs> And then you know, and then the question will be: Are they testing your Japanese
0: or your maths? (laughs)
1: Exactly, it's that kind of thing, you know. So it's it's not difficult uh, from a linguistic point of view, but just from a you you really got to concentrate to hold on to the the, the thread of the the conversation.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I see. Yeah, so I suppose that is important in life. Those uh, those things happen
1: where like. By the end of the thing, you've forgotten what happened at the start. Yeah. I mean, in real life, you just say, so what time was that? Right, 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 right. (laughs) uh, Yeah, in real life, you're allowed to reply. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) forget all that, right? Is it at two? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, But I would suggest that you, uh, you've probably already done this, but I would suggest that you look up as early as you can the actual dates that you can take the test because, Especially overseas, mm-hmm. uh, there are only limited places and times that you can take the test. And I think it's something like once a year or twice a year or something like that. Right.
0: So I, ha- I have looked into it a little bit. I haven't got the, I don't know if the 2019 dates have actually been published yet, but it is, I'm not sure if San Francisco is one of the once a year places or twice a year places. It varies based on place. And the ones that are once a year, I think, are once in December. Oh, okay. And then the ones that are twice a year are July and December. Okay, right. So I'm, I am I am going to look it up. I think probably what I will plan on doing, if it's a twice a year place, San Francisco, will be to take it in the summer mm. almost as a practice run. And then if I pass it, then... Great, I can relax for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, and if I don't, then I'll have a better idea of what to expect right. in December. Right. No, I, think- I don't know how much it costs, but I imagine it costs little enough that I could do it twice without yeah. worrying about it
1: too. No, much. I think you should uh, just do it in July. I don't think, because in my case, I'm assuming that our Japanese levels are, are uh, quite similar, which I think I seem to recall that they are. Mm. But um, I studied for about a month mm. before the test. So uh if you've got from now until July, I think that'd be fine. Yeah. I I I hope that it will. Anyway,
0: I'll I'll look into the San Francisco dates. And yeah, I mean I'm I'm saying I'm I'm hoping that it's a twice a year place, partly so I can do it early, but also it does give me the backup that should I fail it, then at least I've got another chance. Right. I'm not going there planning to fail. <laughs>
1: Very good. Well, I think those are some excellent resolutions. Um, I'm, I, when I was listening to you uh, talking about the, oh, we've got um, there's these three goals that I'm going to do, these, this, and this number one and this number two and then this right, number right. three. And then, right. you know, I've got this one here and it's basically a total of like four or five right. resolutions <laughs> in total. I was sort of thinking, ah, you know, what it is to not have children.
0: <laughs> uh, well, but they're not. They're all related. They they are all really one resolution, which is get better at Japanese. But they're just three right.
1: three concrete steps to do that. Yeah, it's just like uh, again, any mother or father who's listening to this would be sort of thinking, yeah, yes, you know the uh, the, the luxuries of not uh, oh having children. Of course, is is precious and wonderful, and and it's a miracle. But uh, you know, it, it certainly doesn't do good things for your free time that's for sure no so the time to actually put into studying or to practicing you know a, a japanese sentence for your pronunciation once a week with your wife or even those kinds of things is uh, quite a luxury so that's very nice meanwhile i will take one year to make a song <laughs> <laughs> so uh well yes yes i mean you know we're all very busy yeah. <laughs> uh before we before we close, uh, do you know you want to know something that's great? Uh, go on. Rechargeable batteries are great. Oh, let good me segue <laughs> <laughs> Rechargeable batteries are great. I think uh, this is like this. Um, I think we mentioned it in one of our one of our previous many mm. episodes, um, where I think also I was talking about getting new glasses. Mm. Um, the It's a funny thing about technology that you are not sort of immediately in contact with a lot, how it just sort of moves along. Mm. And then when you come back to it, you kind of realize, wow, this is cool. This has come this far. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about skateboards and guitar tuners
1: and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this is the case with rechargeable batteries because Mm. uh, um, uh, we've got, uh, my son has got this. illuminated star that's in the window as like mm. i mentioned in the previous episode about uh, uh one of the things that swedish people like doing put the putting these um illuminated stars uh, oh, yeah. in their yeah. windows uh, to, to kind of light up the darkness anyway his runs on batteries so he, mm. r- he runs on rechargeable batteries and we have this rechargeable this battery recharger I have no idea about the – was it lithium ion or yeah, the dif- yeah. Yeah, the- what the difference? Yeah. But back in the day <laughs> when uh, – the last time I actually got to to use rechargeable kind of insertable batteries, like AA batteries, mm. um, the charger, I remember, was really finicky. Like you had to have – all four of the slots had to be – had to have a battery in them. Right, right, to complete the circuit, and yeah, and then you didn't want to leave it – like, it wouldn't – If you left it to on a, too long, then the batteries might sort of start leaking, so you need to pull right. them out when they're charged yeah, and stuff. That's, yeah, that, that's right. And it was all – and then you have, like, this sort of uh, – what do you call it? The, the, the battery memory where it kind of can get a bit confused about how full it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need
0: to sort of fully discharge it and then fully recharge it. Right. Rather than, so, like, top
1: it up. Exactly. Yeah, and so uh, fast forward to 2018 – Mm. Wow the the, the battery chargers are cool these days. <laughs> That's great. I mean to begin with previously when I recharged batteries like decades ago it was like mm. you know it was like basically 4 hours or so to recharge your batteries. Right. These things like do it in 20 minutes. Right. And you don't have to have you can put any amount of batteries in them mm. and it's got this cool little screen that'll actually mm-hmm. tell you it'll tell you how many uh milliamps Per hour, I get MAH, I guess milliamps per hour is it? Maybe yeah. milliamp hours. Probably. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, it'll actually it'll tell you how much is on the on the battery, but it won't only mm. charge them. You can test the battery to see how much charge is on there. It can list in volts, in milliamps, in mm. milliamp hours, or whatever the H, wow. whatever this that is, fancy. is. It can also list um, the amount of time that the battery will take to discharge all of its power. Mm. which is amazing uh, and then it has all these cool functions it can charge it can discharge mm. so if you if you do have a battery that's gotten itself confused about how much charge is on there you can you can actually force it to discharge and wow. then sort of re- refresh it yeah. so you can there's a function called refresh and mm. basically when you do that it will discharge the battery completely to zero and then mm. recharge it up again. Wow. And all of this in like 20 minutes. I mean, mm. sensational. Mm.
0: <laughs> wow. That does sound very fancy. We're still using the, uh, I don't know if it's the Enerloop brand, but it's that sort of style of thing. And they've got a little charger that you plug into the wall that accepts four batteries. Right. But it doesn't have a screen or anything. It's just got you know your typical LED that's orange if it's charging and green if it's fully charged. Mm. And
1: And that's about it. Yeah, this one's even got a, a little cooling fan because <laughs> the the batteries the batteries get kind of hot because right. they're charged so rapidly. Right. So uh, there's a little cooling fan to, that comes on, and then when it's full, it actually on the display it will say full. Nice. Mm. <laughs> Very so, good. Rechargeable batteries. Yeah. Are Funny cool. enough,
0: I find that as time goes on, uh, I'm less exposed to all this because more and more of my devices contain the rechargeable battery in a form right. that is impossible to replace. <laughs> You're
1: just using, you know, and they've got the charger built into them. Exactly, that's right. I mean, that's the reason basically why I've, uh, you know, for the past decade or more, right. I haven't really ever sort of dealt with rechargeable batteries beyond those that are internal inside devices. Right. I did know that at some stage, there was a change with the the basic chemicals that they were using in rechargeable batteries to kind of reduce that tendency for them to develop that memory where mm. they would um, uh, you know, mix up how much charge was in them. Right. I think it changed from... Uh, now it's lithium... I think lithium-ion is the modern thing, I think. It's the modern one. And the, the previous one was something else. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, great. Yeah. Rechargeable batteries. Yeah. Good work. They are.
0: <laughs> Speaking of rechargeable batteries, my Bluetooth headphones, which are also the device through which I'm recording this podcast, are down to nine percent. So okay. we, <laughs> we could we could be cut off any moment. Any moment. Well probably not because
1: there's still nine percent left. That's true. Uh, they
0: did they just made the boo 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 sound in my ear okay. to tell me they're nearly out. So that's that's how I knew, but then when I actually looked it was like, oh nine percent, I guess that's
1: that's still doable. Good. All right. Well with that I think this is a, a sign from the uh from the the, uh, the spirits of Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> time to conclude it
0: does sound a bit like a, a norse god doesn't it the the bluetooth right you know
1: tore the bluetooth and <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like some kind of demon i think that the like a blue t- blue t- bluetooth demon if um by the way just before we close uh, mm. if listeners out there have noticed some issues with the sound quality in this episode Unfortunately, Danny has had uh, some issues with his microphone. So if that's yeah. Oh, a bit we didn't different... talk
0: about that at all. I mean, that's a whole topic. My, the whole buzzer we had... This was back in, like, episode seven or eight or something. I think I was probably complaining about how my microphone buzzed and it was, you know, and, and I was calling support and then it fixed itself magically. Right. Well, it started buzzing last week again. Thankfully, it's still within warranty. So I've written to them and hopefully it'll all be solved. But for this week... I am recording using both that microphone and also using my Bluetooth headphone microphone
1: AirPods. Right, so if if, this, if you're listening to this, it means that it worked. <laughs> it means
0: that it worked one way or another. Um, right. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad.
1: Anyway, to uh, finally close up, I think we should um, take a moment to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. All right. And uh, we hope that your, your 2019s are uh, wonderfully... Productive and fruitful and enjoyable, and uh, I guess you should also uh, jump onto our subreddit to let us know uh, what your resolutions are, because I think yes, that'd be indeed. that'd be nice to nice to read. So happy new year. Happy New Year, everyone! I guess this will come out uh, two or three days before the New Year comes. So uh, it will Something a- you can listen to while you're watching the clock count down. Yes, <laughs> very good. All
0: right Happy New Year to you too, Alex. All right. See you in 2019.